Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Thank you for joining me again today. We're in Matthew chapter 24, chapter 25, verse by verse. As we come to the end of chapter 24, speaking of the coming of Jesus to rule and reign over the earth, we're amplifying one phrase, as it was in the days of Noah, so should be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Interested? Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Glad to have you back today. We are in the midst of a series on Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25 verse by verse. And we're talking about the fact that these two chapters are in chronological order. You understand that and it all makes sense. You won't be inserting the church age in there somewhere, the rapture where it's not supposed to be because uh, the rapture is not mentioned here. The coming of the Lord will be referred to as the uh, second coming of the Lord to set up his kingdom on this earth. That's what we're dealing with. Actually, to be honest with you, the church is not mentioned here or the rapture of the church because it's part of the New Testament, which has not come yet, which is part of the mystery, which Israel didn't understand. So, but we know where it belongs. In fact, I'll just kind of lay it out for you. Verses one through three is introduction in chapter 24 of Matthew. Then verses four through eight is the, deals with the church age. Uh, wars, rumors of wars, uh, distress in different places, famines, all these different things we're seeing today. But then verse nine begins the tribulation. And the key word found throughout Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25 is then, 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 to help us keep chronological order. And verse between verses eight and nine, the rapture has occurred. And we don't find that out till Thessalonians. We don't find that out till the book of uh, Corinthians, others in there that it comes just before the tribulation begins and Antichrist shows himself. So verse nine of Matthew 24 says this, then shall they deliver you up into tribulation. Then refers to, and notice this, they shall deliver you up. This, the uh, tribulation is the world coming against Israel specifically and majorly. Yes, it comes against believers around the world, but most strong, Satan is trying to destroy Jerusalem, destroy Israel, and then set up his kingdom from there and make God a liar. Since God said that Israel will always be and Jesus Christ will rule from there, Satan will make God a liar. If God's a liar, then God can't rule and Satan will rule. And he goes on to say, they'll deliver you up to be afflicted. Many will be offended. And then we come to the end of the first half of the tribulation. We get down to verse 14. Beginning in verse 15, we start the second half of the tribulation. And this is the time period when Antichrist will sit on the throne in Jerusalem, break his covenant, his seven-year covenant with Israel in the middle of the seven years, three and a half years into it. And that's why verse 15, starting the second half of the tribulation says, when you, that is Jews, shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And so this goes down through verse 26. And beginning in verse 27, we now start at the end of the uh, second half of the tribulation, Jesus Christ is gonna come back. And literally from verse 27 on, all the way through chapter 25, we are dealing with Jesus Christ coming back and judging the nations. And he will separate sheep from goats, believers from unbelievers, those who were saved or not saved during the tribulation. Everybody saved before the tribulation began went up in the rapture of the church and we have been going through the seven years of the judgment seat of Christ. On this earth, Jesus Christ is watching over the earth, but there is the second half, which is the worst half of the tribulation 
of the seven years. In fact, it's called the time of Jacob's troubles, the worst time in all world history. And then coming down to the biggest battle, worst battle ever been fought. And this is the battle of Armageddon. Now, these verses just throw out some general things about that battle. If you really want to find out more about that battle, then go to chapter 11 of the book of Revelation, and especially chapter 19, where it begins with the coming of Jesus Christ with his church back to the earth. And Jesus is going to literally win the battle of Armageddon by himself. And so we're going to start with verse 27 today. And literally, as we're coming down to it, this time period right here that Jesus is talking about, he compares it to the days of Noah. And that's so important because we often take what he says here about the times of Noah and as we look at it, we say, oh, that's talking about the, the rapture. You know, one will be taken and another one left. No, we have to go back to the time of Noah and understand the one that was taken in Noah's day was the wicked person. The one that was left on the earth was Noah and his family. So the righteous were left on the earth and the wicked were removed from the earth. That's the way it's going to be at Jesus' second coming. Verse 27 says, for as lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so will also the coming of the Son of Man be for wherever the carcass is, there will the vultures be gathered together. And then verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Notice it says here in verse 27, he tells us how Jesus is going to come back. Because in the verses before this, he told us how Jesus is not going to come back. And those who are in Judea at the time of the second half of the tribulation, when it begins and Antichrist sets up his throne, they are to run to the mountains. We are told in the Old Testament that three mountain ranges they're going to run to are Edom, Moab, and Ammon. And when Jesus comes back at this, at this time, he's not going to come looking for them in the mountains. He's not going to come walking through the desert looking for them. He's not going to come looking in their houses. And that's how it's told in the verses before this, that Antichrist and his legions are going to tell them, hey, come out of the mountains. Because as long as they're in the mountains, they cannot be killed. But when they come out of the mountains, they can be. God's protection is on them when they're in the mountain ranges. But here's how he will come back, not walking through the houses looking for them. He's going to come back in verse 27 as lightning out of the east, even under the west. That's how the coming of the Son of Man be, wherever the carcass is. The carcass is the nation of Israel. It looks like they're dead. It looks like they're about to be totally taken. It said there will be vultures gathered together at that time. That is the nations forming around them to destroy them. And in verse 29, it goes on to say, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. This is really amplified strong back in the second chapter of Joel where it describes this battle and talks about here that the nations will be gathered around Israel to take them, but Jesus Christ is gonna come back. In fact, in this, over, this one battle right here lasts two days, the battle of Armageddon. The first day, it looks like Satan has all the victory, his forces under Antichrist have all the victory. They take half of the city of Jerusalem, wake up the next morning to take the second half. And they know by the end of that day, Jerusalem's going to be totally destroyed. And the moment they wake up, suddenly the whole world goes dark. The entire earth goes dark. And it says here again that in those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. God surrounds the earth with a supernatural darkness and it lasts for 24 hours. And in the Old Testament, this is called the Valley of Jehoshaphat in the book of Joel or the Valley of Des 
decision. God's going to give the earth, the entire earth, 24 more hours to accept Jesus as Savior. Some will, but many, many will not. And whenever the darkness starts to take up and the forces of Antichrist start to fight against Jesus Christ, he's going to come from heaven. Revelation chapter 19, accompanied by the church on white horses. We are the armies with him, but we will not do the fighting. Our leader will do the fighting. And here we have it then that he'll come back at that point and he will fight the battle of Armageddon and win it. And literally in a matter of moments, he's simply going to open his mouth and speak the word of God. And all these armies have come with nuclear weapons, with the finest military, with the finest technology in the entire earth. They're going to be taken. During that time of darkness, I mean, your flashlight, well, you can't see it. You can turn it on, but you can't see it because this is not a natural darkness. This is a supernatural darkness. And the only way to penetrate supernatural darkness is with supernatural light. And so it doesn't matter if you've got a flashlight. It doesn't matter if you've got headlights. It doesn't matter if you've got uh, the biggest lights as possible, searchlights. You can't see them. And so the military machines won't work. Nothing will work. And the people will have to sit in total absolute, incredible, inky darkness that you can't see your hand in front of your face for 24 hours. And all you can do during 24 hours is think because you can't, you can hardly move. You don't know what's around you. And so again, the people are just frozen basically around the earth thinking for 24 hours and it makes them stop to think this supernatural darkness has to be caused by a supernatural creator. And many will give their lives to Jesus Christ, but many will not. Verse 30 goes on to say, then will appear the sign of the son of man in heaven Then will all the tribes of the earth mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Verse 32, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and it puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise you, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. This verse is giving a prophecy of the generation that will be alive. And the length of the generation will be alive to see all these events begin to come to pass. And we in the church, if you're an unbeliever and were born from the time of 1948 on, that's when Israel became a nation together. And he's using here that parable of the fig tree because Israel represents the fig tree. And in 1948, they were allowed to come after 2,000 years, they finally came back to their homeland and set up by the UN. And once they came back, they will never leave that land again. They've had to come and go, come and go before in the past. Now they're never going to leave there. And Satan's going to do everything he can to destroy that nation. But here's what it says. If you want to know when this is going to come to pass, in what time period, if you see the nation of Israel put forth leaves and start to bud again, As a living nation, you know that summer, that is the millennium, is near. And so all these events, he said, likewise you, and you will see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. This generation, this generation of people that saw Israel come back all the way up through the time of the tribulation at the end of it, this is the length of this time period. We will not be here to see this battle take place or the tribulation will be gone. But we are part of that generation right now that Jesus is talking about. This generation will not pass until all these things are fulfilled and all these things literally include from the time that the tribulation begins till the time that's over and Jesus Christ comes back. And in that time period, what we have here is what happened in the days of Noah. Noah's day is compared to this day. And that's why when we read verses such as two be in the field, one will be taken, the other one left, we say, oh, that's the rapture. The rapture is not mentioned in the four gospels. It doesn't even start to be mentioned till the book of uh, Romans. Corinthians mentions it. First Corinthians 
Thessalonians chapter 15, the book of First and Second Thessalonians deal heavily with the subject of the what's going to happen at the time of the rapture of the church, but it's before all these events begin. In fact, the removal of the church is the beginning of the tribulation. Once the, tri the church is gone, the tribulation begins. Antichrist shows himself and the seven-year period begins. Verse 35 goes on to say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Don't doubt these words. He's simply saying here, the creation you see around you, oh, heaven's still here, earth's still here, nothing's changed. He says that is gonna pass away, but my words will never pass away. Verse 36 of that day and hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. He's not referring to the date of the uh, rapture of the church. He's referring to the dates of this battle right here. But once the church is removed, we will know the time period. The book of Revelation divides the, the tribulation into two time periods of three and a half years. It even names the number of the days. But once the rapture occurs, then those reading these verses of scripture that are in Israel around the world will know the exact timing when Jesus Christ is gonna come back. We'll take this up when we come back from the break. The book I'm gonna be using and I am using on this is my book on understanding the end times. You'll be greatly blessed. You'll find out how you can have a copy of it for yourself. And when we come back, we'll talk about specifically as the days of Noah were, so shall the days of the coming of the Son of Man be. See you right after the break. Understanding the end times, one of the most incredible and fascinating doctrines in the Word of God, will bring us comfort for the days in which we live. The Bible says we are to encourage and exhort one another with the knowledge of Jesus returning for his saints. In Understanding the End Times, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a thorough and exciting study to give you more revelation of these times in which we live. Topics include the seven dispensations, the dispensation of the mystery, the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, Daniel's 70 weeks, the Temple Discourse, the Tribulation, the Second Coming, the Millennial Reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. To order Understanding the End Times, visit bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Okay, let's get into some really good things now. Beginning in verse 37, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, compares the days of Noah to the days of the coming of Jesus Christ to rule and reign on the earth. He doesn't compare the days of Noah to the rapture. In fact, the rapture and the flood of Noah are opposites of each other, antithesis of each other. They say exactly the opposite of each other, but the days of Noah and the flood say exactly what's going to happen at the time when Jesus comes back. Verse 37, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is not the rapture of the church. This is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 38, for in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So will also the coming of the Son of Man be. There you have it. Did you get it? Okay, then I'll explain it to you. In the days of Noah, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. In the time of Noah, there was righteous and unrighteous, not too many righteous, just eight. He preached for 120 years, that was Noah, trying to win people, but no one would listen. So eight people went into the ark, all the animals went into the ark, and they closed the door on the ark, and that's when the water began to fall from heaven. They had never seen rain before. And suddenly rain was falling from heaven. Many of them were pounding on the door saying, let us in, but it was too late. In other words, in the days of Noah, you had two groups of people, believers and unbelievers. And here's what happened. When the flood came, it took the unbelievers away and left the believers on the earth. The exact opposite of the rapture. At the rapture, believers are taken off the earth. And for a split second, there's not one believer on the earth. The entire earth is filled with unbelievers. And the first thing that happens for believers is 144,000 Jews receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. The ones they minister to be believed and send out as missionaries around the world. They lead people to Jesus Christ. Then angels come and preach the gospel during the second half. The two witnesses come and preach the gospel during the second half. And by the end of the tribulation, there are millions and millions of believers on the earth. In fact, the tribulation is one of the greatest times of evangelism the world has ever seen. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ comes back to set up his kingdom. There's 24 hours of darkness to give people the last opportunity to receive Jesus. And then the next thing that happens is Jesus comes back as lightning from the east to the west. And in the midst of that uh, incredible darkness, that supernatural darkness, they see supernatural light. And guess what happens? He comes back and basically calls down fire, brimstone, everything else on this planet. The powers of the heaven are shaken and Jesus Christ takes and dominates and wins the battle of Armageddon. At the battle of Armageddon, it's compared to the days of Noah. Guess what happens? As in the days of Noah, unbelievers are going to be removed from the earth and believers will be left on the earth to repopulate the earth. It's the exact opposite of the rapture. Verse 38 again, for is in the days that were before the flood, they, unbelievers, were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away so also will be the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Notice this, verse 40. Then, then when at the second advent of Jesus Christ, two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other one left. The one that is taken is the unbeliever. 
yanked off this planet and put into hell for a thousand years, waiting for the time of the great white throne judgment where all unbelievers will stand before the throne of God. What's gonna happen when Jesus comes back at this day? All unbelievers will be removed from the earth. Believers will be left on the earth to go into a whole new dispensation. And that dispensation will be the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. We will come back from heaven and join them on this earth. And for a short period of time on the earth, there will only be believers on the earth Children will be born, but they still have to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So verse 40 says again, then two will be in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. The one that is taken is the unbeliever. They're the ones who just basically went through the tribulation. Many will be evil, but on the other hand, many will just stick their fingers in the ears and tries to exist day by day, not wanting to think about Jesus, not wanting to think about the, the tribulation going on around them. They're going to be giving in marriage and marrying and eating and drinking. They're going to be trying to live a normal life in the midst of an abnormal world. For all the evil going on the earth, some are still going to try to eke out an existence every day and try to ignore the whole thing and think maybe one day it'll be over. Well, it will be over, but it's going to be over for you if you have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's why it says in verse 42, will be in the field, one will be taken and the other one left. They'll be working in the field. And suddenly, as Jesus Christ comes back on that day, he's going to literally yank unbelievers off this earth, just like in the days of Noah, when the flood came, this will be an evil from God that's sent in the world for judgment. God's reserved this for just the unrighteous because the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesses the habitation of the just. So two will be in the field, suddenly one will be taken off the earth and the one that's left is the believer. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other will left. In other words, believers and unbelievers standing side by side, and the unbeliever will be removed. And now in verse 42, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord will come. But know this, if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ready. For in such an hour as you don't think the Son of Man will come. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord will make ruler of his household to give them food in due season? What this verse is saying is, if you truly understand the simplicity of what happened in Noah's day, you can understand then the simplicity of what's going to happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because why? These two events are parallel. In the days of Noah, unbelievers were removed, believers were left, and they repopulated the earth. In the days of the second coming of Jesus Christ, unbelievers will be removed, believers will be left to repopulate the earth, and the earth by the end of the millennial reign, thousand years is going to be filled with millions upon millions upon billions of people born during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ who still have to give their life to Jesus Christ, and there'll be some who will not, even with a perfect ruler on this earth, even with perfect government, perfect weather, no Satan himself, there's still going to be some reject. And at the very end of the millennium, Satan will be released for a season. And when he's released for that season, he's going to round up the unbelievers and have one more fight against God. Can you imagine that? Satan has been in hell for almost a thousand years, observing perfect environment, a perfect ruler over the earth, and he's still trying to figure out how he can overthrow Jesus. You know what? why Jesus is letting him go? You know why God even lets him go for a small period? Say, why in the world would God even allow him to come? To let us know, no matter what, Satan will never change. He will never change. So if you're praying for Satan to be saved, he will never be saved. Oh, well, I'm going to pray that even the devil will receive Jesus. He cannot. Well, maybe Satan, after seeing a thousand years of the rule of Jesus, will change his 
his mind. He'll never change his mind. And this proves it. He'll still try to overthrow God at a battle called the Valley of the Battle of Gog and Magog. He's going to try again, just like he did before, to overthrow Jesus Christ, and it will not work. And this time, God's going to take him and haul him up, up into heaven with all demons, with all fallen angels, all unbelievers from all the generations past will all stand before him. And they will have to, at the end of that thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, the thousand year millennium, they're going to stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And they'll be cast from there into the lake of fire forever and forever. All I can think of the lake of fire is I know where hell is. It's under the earth. They're going to be cast in the lake of fire forever and forever. And you know, I can think of the lake of fire has to be at the farthest opposite end of the universe as possible from heaven, so far from the presence of God to where we'll no longer will we know, you know, even on the earth right now, we know that down below us is a place called hell and unbelievers are there in spirit form. But one day it's all going to be emptied. At that point, after the millennium, earth's going to be renovated. All the effects of the curse of Adam will be removed and the earth will be renovated. At that time, it'll be a different type of earth. And this is brought out in the closing three chapters of the book of Revelation. And that will be the new heavens and the new earth. So it goes on to say in verse 45, then who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. This verse now introduces where we go from here. And we're gonna have three parables in a row. At the end of chapter 24, verse 46 through 51, we're having the faithful and wicked servants. Kind of what this is saying here in verse 45. The faithful and wise servant as compared to the wicked servant. And what's going to happen is they're going to be rewarded. The faithful servants will be rewarded with different amounts of rewards for the different good things they have done. But the wicked servant in every single case is going to be cast off the earth into a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is hell. This tells us again, just as in the days of Noah, Jesus is going to come back and remove the evil ones, remove the sinners, remove the unbelievers off the earth. But the believers will get to go in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at verse 46 through 51. As with Noah, evil will be taken and good will be left. Verse 46, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, will find him doing something, doing the good things, working for God. Verse 47, truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all of his goods. But and if that evil servant will say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. Oh, I really know Jesus will be coming one day, but you know what? I have plenty of time to receive the Lord. Verse 49, and shall begin to strike his fellow servants to eat and to drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he does not look for him and in an hour which he is not aware of and will cut him apart and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This verse is simply saying at the end, when Jesus comes back, there's gonna be a ton of people that absolutely reject Jesus Christ. But the other group said, well, I reject him too, but you know what? I'm gonna accept him just before the very, I think I can make it. And they're gonna live for themselves during this time, be as evil as possible and think at the last second, like the thief on the cross, they're gonna be ready to receive Jesus. And it says, you know what? He's gonna come back at a time when they're not looking for him. And in an hour, they're not aware of. And in verse 51, he will cut him apart. In other words, separate him from all the believers and then appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's going to be cast into outer darkness 
into hell for a thousand years. While the millennium's going on on earth in perfect righteousness, perfect leadership, this man and this woman or whoever they are here in this verse of scripture that rejected Jesus Christ will be where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth for a thousand years. And you know what? I know they'll know what's going on on the earth and they'll look and think, I could have had all that if I'd simply accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just like when the rains came in the days of Noah, those that were swimming and finally drowned looked around thinking, you know what? We could have had that. We could have been that ark of safety. We could have been taken by God and preserved, but we rejected and rejected down till the last minute. And once the door closed, we couldn't get in. And that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be mentioned here with the uh, virgins. There's going to come a time when the doors close. They're going to knock on the door saying, let us in and say, nope, can't do it. Exactly what happened with the ark as it was in the days of Noah. So should it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. This is just good stuff. You know what? Simple, simple too. And I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.